Megan and I had a great experience this past week. We spent uh, five days at a place called the Scott River Lodge, which is in Northern California, uh, just south of the Oregon border. And uh, the Scott River Lodge is a place that does uh, marriage en enrichment. Don't worry, we're doing fine. Uh, twice, of, twice a year, they invite ministers and their spouses to come out and, uh, and to be with other pastors from across the country and to talk about the challenges uh, that come with balancing uh, ministry and family life. And so we had a, a great week. Um, anytime we get away from three kids for a little while, that's always a great week. But we got to meet some people from all over the country, and, and, and uh, it was a beautiful setting. Um, and we, we learned a lot. So it was a, a powerful experience. Today is Installation Sunday. And so today what I'd like to do uh, leading up to the installation is I'd like to talk to you about the subject of spiritual leadership, Christian leadership in the church. Why is spiritual leadership so uh, difficult? Why do so many people struggle to comprehend what it is? It, it's, it's not for everybody. Many will say, give me a position so that I can show you that I'm important. But Jesus says, you want to be important? Humble yourself and go serve other people, and then you'll be important. We've been in Philippians uh, for the past month. Justin preached last Sunday on Philippians, and today is the final uh, Sunday in the Philippians series. But remember what Paul writes in Philippians 2, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let me say that again. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Tony Jarvis passed away uh, uh, about a year ago last uh, fall, and he was the headmaster at Roxbury Latin School up in Boston, uh, a very um, uh, prestigious prep school. And, um, and he wrote a, a great book that was actually a collection of, of his sermons. He was also an Episcopal priest. Um, but he says this about leadership. He says, whatever power a leader has is overshadowed by the second guessing and criticism that he receives for the decisions that he makes. Leadership does not confer happiness. Jarvis says, at the heart of all leadership at any age is character the courage to cling tenaciously to a vision and the grit to exhaust yourself in helping others share that vision and the toughness to endure the blame for every difficulty along the way. And in my time as an ordained minister and in my uh, 12 years here at Woodmont Christian Church, I have found these words of Tony Jarvis to be profoundly true. John Maxwell Another leadership expert says this. He says, everything rises and falls on leadership. People determine the potential of the organization. Relationships determine the morale of the organization. Structure determines the size of the organization. Vision determines the direction of the organization. But leadership determines the success of the organization. Leadership matters, especially in the church. Jesus talked about Christian leadership in Mark 8. He says, if anyone to become my followers, let them deny self, take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. Therefore, we can conclude that Christian leadership, spiritual leadership is always about others. It's about moving beyond self and focusing on the needs of others, 
And in our culture of self-absorption and self-promotion where, yes, social media, if you ask me, is out of control, this is a challenge for everybody. This summer, I'm recommending a book to all of you that are serving as elders and deacons and uh, board members, as well as anybody else who would like to read it. It's a book by J. Oswald Sanders called Spiritual Leadership. It's a classic book. It was written back in the 1960s, and it's been around for a long time. Uh, You can get it in our bookstore, Spire Books. You can get it on Amazon. But in the book, Sanders raises a series of questions that he says are important when we're looking to do some self-assessment and ask, what is our leadership potential? What is our potential to be a spiritual leader? What are some of those questions? How well do you maintain self-control when things go wrong? Do you think independently or do you just go along with the group? How well do you handle criticism? Can you turn disappointment into creative new opportunities? Do you collaborate and work well with other people? Are you a peacemaker or do you stir up conflict? Do you trust, do people trust you with difficult matters and issues? Can you accept opposition to your viewpoint or decision without taking offense? Are you tactful? Can you forgive or do you just talk about forgiveness? Are you optimistic or are you cynical? Do you have passion and do you live with passion? These questions are very important when it comes to spiritual leadership. These are questions that I think all of us should ask ourselves when trying to assess our own lives and our own leadership ability. Today what I'd like to do is quickly share with you five qualities or five characteristics of the spiritual leader, the Christian leader, and all of these are grounded in scripture. First of all, spiritual leaders are servants who are willing to lead by example. In in Mark chapter 9, we have a situation where the disciples are arguing among themselves about who is the greatest. And finally, Jesus sits them down and he says, whoever wants to be first must be last and a servant of all. Throughout his life and ministry, Jesus taught this brand new universal concept of servant leadership. He believed that one can only become great by becoming a servant. And Jesus never asked his disciples to do anything that he himself was not willing to do or that he himself had not already done. In Mark 10, after James and John are arguing about sitting on his right hand and his left hand, uh, when Jesus' kingdom comes, he gets frustrated, he gets angry, and he says, among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them and their great ones are tyrants over them, but it's not so among you. Whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Spiritual leaders are servants, and they lead by example. Secondly, spiritual leaders, Christian leaders, must be more concerned with the common good than they are about pushing their own personal agendas. In both Mark 9 and 10, Jesus says that whoever wants to be first must be a servant of all and not just of a few. If I were to ask you this morning, what has the most potential to destroy or to derail leadership faster than perhaps anything else in our society today, what would you say to that? You might say it's selfishness. 
You might say it's pushing a, a personal agenda above what's good for the group. You might list what Gandhi once called the seven blunders of the world. Do you remember what those are? Wealth without work, pleasure without conscience, knowledge without character, commerce without morality, science without humanity, worship without sacrifice, and politics without principle. Serving the common good often means putting your personal agendas on hold for the sake of the group. Serving the common good means looking out for those who have no voice, no influence, and making sure that they are heard and cared for. Serving the common good involves listening intently to the needs of others so that you are aware of what they want. And guess what? You might have to hear things that you don't agree with or that you don't want to hear. But that's a part of it. A spiritual leader is always concerned with the common good first. Third, spiritual leaders should have a vision for the future. And they must be willing to sacrifice in order for that vision to become a reality. In the book of Proverbs, we read a, a verse that says this, Without a vision, the people perish. And I've always loved what Rick Warren, who's the pastor at Saddleback in California, he says this. He translated that verse and said, without a vision, the people go to a different parish. And I think he was right. Churches need to have a vision. Woodmont has a vision right now, a bold vision for what we want to accomplish over the next few years. But we have to work and sacrifice towards that vision. Whatever the vision might be, leaders must be willing to pay the price to, to see it become a reality. Nobody has ever achieved anything great in life, in business, in family, in marriage without sacrificing and giving things up or paying the price. And sometimes it feels like fewer and fewer people today are willing to sacrifice and pay the price to live out the vision that they have in life. Think about the birth of this great nation that we will celebrate in just a few days. Can you recall the sacrifices that were made by the 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence? Five of them were captured by the British as traitors. They were tortured before they died. Twelve of them had their homes ransacked and burned. Two of them lost their sons who, who were serving in the Revolutionary Army. Another signer had two sons who were taken captive by the British Armed Forces. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds or hardships in the war. They all knew the risk that was involved, but they signed that document anyway, willing to make the sacrifice so that you and I could have the freedom and the nation that we enjoy today. In the church, there have been both ministers and lay leaders who have laid their vision on the line and who've had to suffer accordingly. Some have lost their jobs. Others have been told, that's not the way we do things around here. Others have watched their families suffer, all because they did their best to live out a vision that they thought God had placed on their heart. And sometimes that means giving up a lot in order to see things happen. Leaders must pay a price if they are willing to act on their vision. And yes, that means you often have to endure criticism. And you must stand strong in the face of criticism. It doesn't mean that you don't listen. It just means that criticism is part of the deal. Do you remember what Teddy Roosevelt famously said about 100 years ago? He says, it's not the critic who makes the difference, but the one who is actually in the arena 
whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. Nothing great can happen in a nation or in a church unless the leader is willing to pay the price. Or as Paul says in Philippians, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on, I press on, and Woodmont, we press on. Fourth, spiritual leaders must be disciplined and committed to personal growth. In other words, the first person that we must lead in life is ourselves. And sometimes that's the most difficult person to lead, by the way. Do you remember the book that came out 30 years ago? It became a, a, a classic in business and leadership circles written by Stephen Covey. It was called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Do you remember what those were? First, be proactive. Second, begin with the end in mind. Third, put first things first. Fourth, think win-win. Fifth, seek first to understand, then to be understood. Sixth, synergize. And seventh, sharpen the saw. Never stop learning, never stop growing, never stop reading. Well, what if we were to come up with a list and called it the seven habits for highly spiritual people, the seven habits for spiritually grounded people? What would that list look like? Maybe something like this. First, be disciplined. Carve out time every day for prayer, meditation, reading, and stillness. Disconnect from the ongoing noise and disruptions of the world. And this should also include disconnecting from technology. Second, keep the big picture in mind. Human beings can get very worked up over things that really don't matter in the big picture. We often major in the minors. Don't sweat the small stuff. Third, live your priorities. Good is the enemy of great. Don't let the small and petty stuff rule the day. Know what matters most and choose to focus on that first. If you don't get to the other things that are less important, then so be it. Fourth, treat others the way you want to be treated. Jesus taught that. Always imagine what it would be like to be on the receiving end of your words and your actions. Some people would be shocked to learn how they talk to people and how they treat other people. Fifth, show empathy and compassion. Everybody is fighting some type of battle in life. We, we usually don't know what it is, but life is difficult. Life is challenging and life is stressful. Sixth, form meaningful relationships with people who make you better, people who push you, people who challenge you. The company that you keep in life will either pull you up or pull you down. So be around people who influence you for the better. Surround yourself with people who will give you support and honest feedback. And seventh, avoid getting angry whenever possible, or at least deal with anger in healthy ways. Anger, resentment, bitterness, all take us away from our spiritual center. It also heavily affects our physical, mental, and emotional health. Anger makes us say things and do things that we regret. And highly spiritual people, spiritually grounded people, Christian leaders find ways to remain cool, calm, and collected in the face of stress and difficulty. Finally this morning, the fifth and final characteristic of spiritual leaders, Christian leaders, is that they always point others to Jesus Christ. Jesus is very clear that his kingdom, his way, is very different from the kingdoms of this world. It always has been. The kingdoms of the world crucified him. He reminds us that life is about more than making a profit. It's about more than climbing the social ladder. It's about more than collecting lots of toys, getting people to like you, and getting recognized. Jesus' kingdom is about mercy, humility, compassion, 
generosity, peace, love, and crucifying the ego. It's about loving your neighbors as yourself. To take the words of Jesus seriously means that we are constantly challenging the way of the world. We are challenging the status quo. We stand up for what we believe with courage and with conviction. We pray often and we look to Christ as our guide, as our hope, for our strength and for our peace. Spiritual leadership is important. Leadership in the church is important. For 76 years, Woodmont has been blessed with strong leaders, both ministers and lay leaders that have seen this church through its ups and downs, through good times and bad times, and leadership today is just as important as it has ever been. And so this morning we pray for all of you who are about to be installed. We thank all of you who have served and who continue to serve. And we pray for all of us as we seek to be faithful Christian and spiritual leaders in our own lives. Amen.